0: Persistent Bloom is a podcast hosted by Mel Mitchell Jackson, an artist, writer, musician, and joy-based movement practitioner about the driving questions that foster Persistent Bloom. The podcast will cover the intersection of the tarot and queer spirituality with creativity and personal states of flow. The goal is to connect with artists of all kinds and build community centered on helping everyone access ways to find Persistent Bloom. Thanks for listening. Welcome to episode 3 of the Persistent Bloom podcast. I am your host, Mel Mitchell Jackson, and I am excited to have you here with me. So, if you noticed, my name changed, and that is an explanation for why we took the month of June off. I had recorded an episode for us, and then things got a little bit too crazy with getting married, but that has happened, and... Now I'm ready to jump into a little bit more of a full gear, full tilt podcast schedule for the next couple of months. So we'll have some interviews coming up and some more regular episodes and sharing how the prompts that I'm creating for all of you are impacting my own creative practice. I've always wanted to be someone who shares transparently the type of work that I'm making and why I'm making it and the ideas behind it. And so I want to try and foster that with more people by sharing my own process. And there was an amazing share that I woke up to this morning from a fellow friend on Instagram, Eliza Perez, seeing this beautiful share of how the prompt was creating a system really inspired me to think about okay how do i want to share my process how do i make it more and more transparent so that more people feel like they can do this themselves and and that's really that's really my goal is to make creativity of all kinds something that is less scary and less intimidating and more something that you can figure out On your own, um, that really makes sense for you. So, because we took a long break this month, I chose more than just two cards. I've got two cards from the major arcana, and then I actually have three additional cards that are minor arcana cards. And I think that y'all will find this really interesting how this came up. And I want to be transparent, I'm recording this. The day of a Capricorn full moon. And I don't know if you woke up feeling the way that I woke up, but just really energized and well rested and feeling ready to take on whatever's next. I feel like for me with moon cycles, I usually find myself resting a lot in the period between a new moon and a full moon. And then once the full moon happens, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to make a plan, set some intentions and go. And then I can use the new moon as a way of reflecting, you know, like, have I have I done this for myself? And everybody has a slightly different interpretation and feeling around that. But it always it always happens. My, my partner and I have noticed that when we're making music, we often make new songs and new tracks right around the half moon period, so either a quarter moon waxing or quarter moon waning time. And it's really interesting how that keeps coming up as a consistent pattern for both of us when we are making things. Because I feel like for full moon time, it's about getting your stuff together, figuring out exactly what you want to be doing and finding a plan to make that thing happen. So speaking of that, figuring out how to make a plan happen, the first card that we have for this month is the Magician. And the Magician in the Modern Witch Tarot deck is a really cool card. So there is a black woman in a red robe who is holding a wand with one hand with her right hand and is pointing down at the earth with her left. And for me, I used to do Kundalini yoga for a brief period. And when I was doing that type of yoga, I was told by my teachers that a right hand pointing down is connecting to the feminine or the moon, the lunar. And so, I really love this opposition that exists here. We've got this like phallic symbol in one hand and then this connection to the feminine and the lunar in the other. And those of you who know that I am non-binary, even though this card is clearly someone who's very femme-presenting, I think the magician's symbolism is this really beautiful non-binary space of both and, of feminine and masculine, of fertility and the, the majesty of a mountain. It's this really fun space of how do we make the thing that we want to have happen, happen? How do we actually set forth and say hey, I have all my supplies, and I'm ready to make this thing. Because what's gorgeous about the magician, and especially in this particular rendition, is they are covered and surrounded by flowers. So it's just draping everywhere with this gorgeous, gorgeous floral motif, which almost looks like stalactites in a cave, only they're dripping flowers, which I think is gorgeous. And Then there's this piece of rock that almost looks like amethyst, but it's probably granite or limestone, and has all of these different elements stuck into it. So you've got your wand for your passion, you've got your pentacle for your material well-being, and also your way of giving back to your community to be that sort of composting, giving existence. You've got your cups, thinking about your emotional energy and how much you want to give and bring to others, and how much you want to drink from those who are willing to give to you. And then we have the sword, which is our thoughts and our sense of logic and our desire to overanalyze everything but it's interesting it reminds me of at the beginning of the year i think that there's always a tendency to create a sense of here are the fertile things that i'm planting in my garden these are the things that i want to try and create for the next year and so you can set up this whole plan and I, I love plans. <laughs> I am a rising Capricorn as a person and I absolutely love Capricorn energy because it's always about being responsible and creating rules and creating structures and actually trying to take those structures and apply them to practical, realistic, magical potential. So what does it mean for you to do things with a sense of determination, with a sense of a plan and a really, really focused, and you know what, what does it mean to do things with a plan in mind and see that plan as simply a roadmap for where you want to be going? It doesn't have to be an exact recipe and even recipes when we're cooking, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm cooking, especially when it comes to recipes, they're always like, okay, two cloves of garlic in this recipe. And I immediately go, definitely not two cloves, more like five or six. And we know based on our own taste and our own way of existing and the, the things that we love and the things that we're attracted to, we have an inner sense of knowing and we know that we can have instructions, but then those instructions inform, hey, maybe the map said to take a left turn here, but my intuition says there might be an accident up ahead, or I definitely don't want to take that bridge today. Maybe it's going to be really windy, or maybe I don't want to take that turn and I actually want to go the slow route and roll the windows down and smell the eucalyptus come through my windows. So thinking about that, how can you create a plan and also be okay with allowing yourself to turn away from the plan? Now, a thing that I love about things like this podcast is the recognition that I can kind of, (laughs) the recognition that. I really am making this for a small community of people that really seem to enjoy it, and so I wanted to share some of what I had actually set out for my plan for the year ahead since I made that, and I really want to be sharing more of my process. So this year, I made some cute little drawings. And I think I'll post these on Instagram because they were fun to share. I drew a garden. And inside the garden, I had a little stake with a sign attached to it, what is planted in this area. And I had six. So the first is to finish getting married, which I did, and spend more time with family. And I think family is something that's definitely a broader sense. It's becoming broader, especially because I just doubled mine, which is really lovely and wonderful. But I think what ways can rituals be important for you, even if you're not necessarily getting married, but what kind of community-oriented rituals can you do? I texted a friend the other day about the the Capricorn full moon. And I was like, hey, do you want to do something together? Should we do yoga? Should we do, um, should we do something in a way that is going to be intentional and align us with the energy from this particular moment in time? And I think considering that of intention and rituals with your chosen family or your given family, is a great way to embody this magician space of, okay, here's the things that I want to do, and here's all the elements I need to complete them. So here is me actually taking this action. The next thing that I put in my garden was making music, but thinking about two main questions. The research questions that drive my music, because it's always an element of my artistic practice to have some kind of research element that drives what I do. And I had received a really, really beautiful prompt from a friend that essentially was, when you have an idea for a song, don't just write the song, but write everything surrounding it. You know, what's the essentially like the sphere of influence of that particular song? What things are you doing and seeing and wanting to infuse into your life? And I have a wonderful friend named Kate Horvath who made a book a couple of years ago that was screenshots from news sites that were turned into prints. And I've been taking a lot of screenshots on my phone of news articles or things that I think could be within the theme of things i want to write songs about that aren't necessarily about me personally but are about how i'm perceiving the world and the things that are happening around me and how those things that are happening around me have uh, depth and potential the next thing that i have in my garden was riding fixing and understanding bikes so uh, wanting to create a co-op and make more group rides and create more opportunities for queer folks around bikes. And so for me, that's my movement practice. And that's why I talk about movement so often in this podcast is cycling is my moving meditation. And I want to make that more accessible for other people. While I was riding yesterday, I started to think about a fun illustration project of a little bike zine and sharing how to do some basic bike maintenance to make sure that When you get a ride, it feels really good and really solid, and you can repair it on the side of the road if you ever need to. That's definitely something that is in the pipeline for me that I'd love to create for others. And if you are in the Bay Area and you would like to go on a bike ride, you should definitely let me know on the Discord channel, um, because that is my favorite thing about being out here is really seeing all of the different things that are in bloom every single day. So the next piece I had in my garden was making more paintings. So letting go, though, of the need to always be making a body of work. Now, you can see there's definitely a split between my desire to make something that feels solidified in music because I really want to make an album. And it's really putting a lot of pressure on me because I, I'm starting this new thing. I haven't really played music until 2020 again, or really 2019 when I had to start teaching it. And I put myself in this position where I feel that whatever I release has to be on par with the task of what I'm able to create in painting or in illustration or in drawing, and I'm not necessarily fair to myself because I didn't go to music school. I went to art school, and I learned how to do all of those things through critique and through feedback, and so I've been seeking out feedback musically, so that way I can start to actually get critique and start to grow my practice and recognize that I may not be perfect at what I'm doing, but I need to just keep doing it and keep seeking out feedback so that I can keep getting better. When you think about the magician, when it comes to making visual art, maybe it's just giving yourself a rule rather than the need for it to be a body of work that is sellable and allow yourself to experiment and to play. Because... Sometimes the thing that I love the most about music is it is just play. And now I'm needing to reel that in and turn it from play into something that feels shareable, something that feels like it could create meaning for my community. And... You can definitely do that with visual art to think about something that can create meaning for your community, but it doesn't always have to. It can sometimes just be for you, and that's all right, too. There's definitely more in this garden. Building and sustaining a community is the most important one. So volunteering, being present, trying to attend dinners and events, book clubs, finding accountability friends. I think this is so important. We can't make stuff in a vacuum. Just like I was talking about the difference between music and art for me is there's this need for other people to either contribute to what I'm doing or to give me feedback on the thing so that way I can actually become better. Because when we try and center ourselves in this hyper-individualized state of, I'm just going to make this thing for me, it doesn't really help our community. And then the last thing in my garden was to explore more outside, especially here in California. So bringing nature, (laughs) bringing myself to nature is such a gorgeous way to connect to intuition. And that brings me directly to our next card for this month, which is the High Priestess. So the High Priestess comes right after the Magician in the traditional Rider-Waite Coleman Smith, as well as in the Modern Witch Tarot. And the High Priestess is intuition, baby. It is such an incredible card. The High Priestess is a femme-presenting person wearing a purple cape, which is just such a beautiful symbol of royalty, and a moon crown in between two pillars. And on these pillars, there are some filigree, and one is black and one is white. Hanging between the two pillars is a gorgeous, illustrative piece of fabric that has pomegranates all over it. You know, a perfect symbol of fertility. In the High Priestess we have this being who is sitting and typing on their computer and is surrounded by symbols of the moon. It's interesting that there's a computer in this particular version because so often I think about the line between, do I trust my intuition or do I Google it? <laughs> And I think it's so important to sometimes not necessarily need the answer from the internet and to allow ourselves to know when do we when do we close the computer and when do we turn in to look inward. So here's the way that I look at the high priestess with the computer. I have a slight wrist injury from many, many years of intense drawing. And because of that, I like to say that my wrist has a tendency to get spicy. So when my wrist is feeling spicy, writing in a notebook is actually really painful. Even though I love, love, love handwriting and journaling and that kind of stuff, sometimes I find it easier to connect to my intuition if I just type because then I'm not connected to this pain, and I can usually write faster. That's honestly how a lot of these podcast episodes are created, is me sitting in front of my computer and typing out what I think should be the prompts for the month, or what I think should be the main focuses of our conversation. I'll usually create some notes before I start recording, and I almost always do this on the computer. So even though we can sometimes see electronic devices as distractions. They can also be, if we set a really clear intention with them, something that helps us connect to our intuitive selves that we otherwise couldn't, or we feel limited to where it doesn't necessarily always feel possible. So that is the high priestess. And think a little bit about especially with this card, duality. How do you take one idea and then see the opposite of it? A song I've been trying to write lately is about trying to find joy in the end of the world, or what feels like the end of the world. And I've been just creating this ongoing list of things that feel really joy-centered and then things that feel really terrible. And man, has it been easy to write the terrible list, but it needs to, I need to continue to grow the list of things that feel joy-centered. So what would something like this look like for you? How can you start to work on what those dualities might be? Or if you're working on a project, how do you take it from one space of, okay, this is what I know I want to do, and then you flip it. And that, to me, brings me back to the fact that we're in a Capricorn moon. And so I'll share, again, I shared earlier that I have a rising Capricorn. So most people think that I am a Capricorn because I'm always, I've always got a plan. I've always got a pile of books I'm reading. I've always got a schedule, a calendar, a calendar a reminders list. I've always got all the things ready to spring into action. But I've also got a Cancer moon, which is the opposite of Capricorn, which is all about feeling all of the feelings. And so I think it's really important to know where you have oppositions within your astrological chart, but also just know where you have oppositions in yourself. Where are you someone who's just really sensual and feeling and emotive but yet you hide that all behind a really intense and focused exterior where do you create a line for yourself to bridge the gap between those two really really different spaces and i think that is where you can really discover some awesome things So, we got three minor arcana cards for the month ahead. And, or should I say for the moon cycle ahead? Because that feels more apropos. Um, And this particular first card always cracks me up every time it comes through. The Eight of Swords, which is a figure standing wrapped in rope, blindfolded, with really cute boots on and these thigh-high socks, and they're standing in what looks like a puddle of tears. It almost looks like a rainstorm has just finished, or they're in San Francisco on a really foggy day, and they've got eight swords stuck into the ground around them. Now, the swords are, of course, our own internal logics. This one always comes up for me when I think about anxiety or mental health stuff that we often don't deal with or we allow it to trap us in a prison of our own making. And what I've always seen with this particular card is that it doesn't look like there is any way that this figure couldn't get out of their own entrapment here. The rope looks relatively loose, but I think sometimes we create things in our own heads, especially around our creativity, where we say, I am not that. I cannot be that. Or I, we put ourselves up to comparison. But I think we have these things in our own head that trap us and make us feel like we can't move forward or we can't do the thing that we think we should do because we create these prisons for ourselves. We trap ourselves. And sometimes I think even within our communities, it's how we police one another and how we think about perfectionism and we think about the way that we use intellect as a weapon. And if people aren't already in the know about certain things, we use that as a reason to leave them out. And I don't think that that is compassionate. I think that it often is our own insecurities and self-imprisonment that we are projecting onto other people. And I think it's really, really important that we take a look at the fences we put up and the gates we put up around ourselves and decide, okay, how do I actually want to present my sense of self to other people? And what would it mean for me to let this rope drop to the ground and allow myself to walk away and start to untether from these ways of thinking that could be trapping me from actually making progress and growing in the ways that i need to grow and i think the four of cups also relates to that same thing within the eight of swords only now we're talking about emotions and so in this particular version of the card there's a woman sitting on the ground it almost looks like she is taking a break from work and she's got her arms crossed and she's wearing a sweater that says over it (laughs) which of course just makes me laugh and she's got her phone next to her on the ground and there's a cup floating on a cloud above her as kind of an offering or a gift and three cups On the ground that she's sort of staring at in contempt and I think when we think about our emotions and our feelings so often they come in waves and they are really powerful but we don't appreciate them we see them as a burden we see them as things that are getting in the way of us rather than enabling us to reflect on them so the way I always look at this card uh, is It reminds me of meditation and the importance of it. And even if meditation is something that you're intimidated by, it's nice to just sit and be with all of the things that are going on in your head and take note of those things. To just simply be and exist and witness those emotions and those things that are coming up for you. And sometimes for me, meditation is more useful when I keep a notebook nearby. And if something really important comes up during that meditation, I just take note of that thing. And I'm like, okay, this is the thing I want to try and work on and work through. And if those things are coming up for you, they're probably secret little prompts for your own creative practice or your movement practice to say, hey, it might be worth working through this in a different way. So that way you can have a slightly different perspective on this particular emotions quality and how it keeps coming up in your life. So the last thing that I got, the last card we got for this month, is the Ace of Pentacles, which is such a beautiful card. It's such a wonderful card of starting, renewal, really thinking about how we can give to others and what kinds of resources we have, It's a card where there's a hand coming out of a cloud holding this beautiful pentacle, and it's this abundant, gorgeous landscape. And when we look at this type of card, I think what's so wonderful to see is it's this abundant, gorgeous landscape, but it also is this symbol of what can we give to others? Whenever I see the star on the community on... (laughs) Whenever I see the star on the pentacles, I think about community. I think about the people around me who give things to me, whether it's just a lending an ear or ideas or stories or inspiration. I think that these are such beautiful gifts that we get from others and they aren't always monetary And I think so often when we see the pentacles, people are like, oh, money or, oh, material well-being. And I think well-being and well-being and abundance and joy are things that we can give as gifts to ourselves and to others around us that don't necessarily have to come from a financial perspective. They don't have to be tied to money or to our jobs specifically. Alright, so here are the Persistent Bloom prompts for this month. The first prompt, this month I'm going to start with movement. So if you have a movement practice, and even if you don't have a movement practice, think about moving your body in a way that feels really, really joyful and allows you to connect with the space of both your intuition and your ability to communicate what you are wanting to do. Maybe that's listening to Beyonce's new single and dancing around your home. Maybe that is finding ways to go on a walk with a friend to show them all of your favorite new memes you found online instead of a text. Maybe that is... Finding a new group of people on, say, Meetup or Bumble BFF to go on a a hike with, a walk with, finding and seeking out community and ways to connect to reciprocity within your movement practice. What ways do you have things that you can give to others in this space What ways do you have things that you need to give back to yourself? Is it about moving and then journaling what you come up with when you are out on the trail? What things constantly come up for you when you're in this place of movement? When you're connecting to your body? Are there days that you feel really, really strong and that you want to push a little bit harder why does that come up starting to get curious about why these particular types of things happen in our bodies can help us connect to the fact that we're a little bit different every single day each day we get on the bike roll out the mat or go to the gym we are a little bit different or if you're a dancer or a performer you know when you're about to perform Your body is a little different each day. And so what does it mean to accept that? And what factors are going into what is a little bit different for you this time? Next, we have our prompt for music. And the first thing that just came up for me was reverb. (laughs) Um, But not the sense of, you know, putting way too much reverb on your track. But are there pieces of equipment that you're holding on to, thinking that you're going to use them someday, but you just keep putting off and putting off and putting off? If you're feeling stuck in a particular way of making, do you have any things that you have in your home, or in your studio, or that are uh, an instrument of a bandmate, that maybe you can try out and see how that informs the work that you're doing elsewhere. It doesn't necessarily have to be, I need to study this one instrument over and over and over. I think there is something so important to how we transition from one particular type of making into another and how it forces our brain to think a little bit differently. And so when you switch what you're doing, if you realize that something might not be serving you anymore, could you resell it? Could you give it a new home, a new life? And I think when we make space for other things around us, we have this really cool opportunity to allow other things to come in. Now, we all know as musicians, there's this problem of gear acquisition syndrome, or gas, uh, that hits us all the time, where we're like, oh, well, if I just get this new instrument or this new sound, then I'll have it all figured out. But I think one of the tricks is that as musicians, we're always seeking out new spices. So it's kind of like when you go to the farmer's market or you go to a new grocery store and you're like, oh, there's all these new kinds of spices here that I haven't seen before. Well, I'm just going to take a bunch of these home. And if you have all of these different spices and all of these different things that you can add to a soup, you're definitely not going to put like cloves and garlic salt and (laughs) fennel and, you know, you're not going to put a bunch of spices in that don't make sense together. And you're not going to put all these things in that, like, muddy the water. And so often, I think as musicians, we have this tendency to sort of get maximalist and really, really just expansive and say, oh, well, all of these things, all of these things, I want all of these things for what I am doing. And I want to collect all of this stuff. And I think the reason that reverb came up for me is because it's really important to make a spreadsheet. So here's the most Capricorn moon thing I can share for a musician. Make a spreadsheet of your sounds. What exactly is your palette? And how do you create a really controlled palette for yourself? When I think about one of my favorite musicians, Beach House, I think about the controlled palette of that band. They've got a really simple drum track. They've got an organ sound, and a Fender Strat, and that is their sound, and they're just constantly revisiting that particular thing. So what does a limited palette look like for you, and how can you utilize that limited palette to keep you in a very particular focused box, so that way you can actually make something and feel really great about it. And maybe that palette will include that instrument that you haven't played in a while or that thing from your bandmate that pushes your boundaries into focus into something that you didn't expect. Visual artists. When was the last time you put together a folder of everything you're inspired by right now? And I think there's so much to really honing in on what the things we're inspired by are doing and how they're influencing us. And when we pinpoint what those things are that we're inspired by, then we can almost take an art critic approach to that list of inspiration. And we could see that inspiration and we can say, okay, these are the things I'm looking at and attracted to right now. What are the elements of these things that I'm looking at and that I'm attracted to right now that I want to try and replicate? And how can I distill it down to little tiny pieces and take those little tiny pieces and then use those as a prompt, right? So lately, within my own digital painting, I have been thinking a lot about what does it mean to simplify color and try and work from an actual color palette rather than always pulling from my source photos and creating this really maximalist, almost photorealistic way of painting. And the reason why I'm interested in trying to work with color in a different way is I'm trying to control light and contrast and I also have been really attracted to simplified shape. You know, artists like Lois Dodd and her Windows series always really gets me and strikes me and reminds me of artists like Fairfield Porter. And I'm like, oh man, how do they simplify like that? Like, how do they just make these kind of blobby shapes? And I think that it's about allowing ourselves to play and to honor those principles in our mind that allow us to simplify? And where can we get away with simplification in order to guide our viewer to the places where we want them to go the most? And what does it mean to continue down this path of refining and figuring out where our inspiration is coming from? I think that we can figure out new artistic language when we're going through and actually saying, okay, I want to pull this from this, I want to pull this from this, and this from this. And then, like I was saying to musicians earlier, you know, creating that as a constraint and saying, all right, so here's my supplies, just like the magician, right? Here are the things that I want to do. And I'm going to then pursue this on, you know, one or two pieces, and then seek out my community and see how this is going. You know, maybe it's not just making something and posting your finished work on, Instagram, TikTok, wherever. Maybe it's posting the process and asking for feedback in those spaces. What would it mean for us to take social media from being this really isolating space of performance for artists, of let me show you the finished thing, to being a place where you showcase the process of what's happening and why you're making the decisions you're making, and how You want those decisions to be a conversation with other people rather than this consistent performance of perfect, finished, aesthetically pleasing work. What does it mean to share the raw material and to use that raw material to cultivate community with others? So that is about it for our third episode of the Persistent Bloom podcast. Again, my name is Mel Mitchell Jackson. And we are going to be having another episode coming out a little bit later this month. That is an interview I did with uh, my friend Quinn Medicine. So I'm really looking forward to you hearing that one as well and what the community thinks of having both interviews and these more intuitive, tarot-focused episodes. Another reminder here is that we do have a Discord community, and I will make sure that that link is in the episode description that is updated. You could go on that Discord community, introduce yourself and what you're making, and feel free to share what you're making and what's coming up for you in regards to this particular episode's experience, and what I'd love to do is, if you are in the Bay Area, start to have outdoor meetups that are safe. So that way, if you're listening to this and you want to discuss, we can do that. We can also, if it's of interest, start to have meetings virtually, and we can find a platform for that that makes sense for us. So whether that's on Discord or elsewhere, I'd love to start to get to know those of you who are regularly listening and your thoughts, because this is a conversation. I don't want it to just be myself talking always. I definitely want this to be a conversation with others. So if you're finding this work really inspirational, and you're making cool things, I would love to have you even on an episode. So definitely let's keep in touch, join the discord, and I look forward to what we all create together. Until next time.